Hey everyone, it's Ryan Fantosi, the Fantosi Files podcast, and uh, we are live, kind of live. You'll be hearing this recorded, but we're sitting live in Tom Jordan's kitchen. We are, we are alive. We are alive. We are That's alive. That's a good thing. We are living people conversing with each other. And if you guys don't know who Tom is, if you're not from the central Wisconsin area, if you're not a 20-watt Tombstone fan or a Reverend Mean Tooth fan, because I want to ask you about both, Tom, we're here on location in Tom's kitchen in Wausau, Wisconsin. And Tom, I've got to know you. It's been almost, what, three years? Three years now? Almost? Yeah. Three or, three or four, something like that. Yeah. Came to a cookout where you told other people not to scare the shit out of me. Mm-hmm. Yep. Those people know who they are. I threatened them with weapons before you came over. Yeah. Here we are. It was right before you went to Europe. <laughs> so, Tom, you're a guy I've gotten to know really well here in a couple of years. You're a big part of, of 94-7. Um, with me, your music, the local shows that we we did together when it was um, rocking here in in central Wisconsin, and I want to talk to you before I move to Green Bay because, again, you're a guy I've gotten to know really well for the last couple of years. You've got a big role in the local scene in central Wisconsin, whether you want to admit it or not. I'll go ahead and say that. <laughs> but you're doing a lot of solo shows right now. Twenty watt, which we'll talk about in a couple of minutes, because you guys have a lot of cool things coming up, but. These solo shows with Reverend Mean Tooth, kind of, I guess, your your alter mm-hmm. ego, your Batman. Yeah, um, my Batman. And you and I have talked a little bit how that experience has been been for you. I know you said it's been humbling and different things like that, but doing these local shows while while Mitch is being a dad for you know for a little while to kind of get yeah. his bearings as a dad, kind of how the solo shows been going for you and just just the overall experience of them. It's been, like I said, it's been humbling because I uh, I guess. You know, I'm I'm used to things being a certain way with 20 watt. I just I guess I kind of took that for granted a little bit. So when I started doing solo shows, I just kind of figured that everybody would follow me there. Yeah, that didn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there are no shortcuts in rock and roll. Uh, but yeah, so when I started doing the solo thing, um, you know, I I realized that I was back to playing. You know, granted, not all the shows are like this, but every once in a while, um, more often than with 20 Watt, uh, I have shows where it's me and the bartenders, which Mm -hmm. is very humbling and reminds (laughs) me of back in the day playing with 20 Watt when we started. But like anything, you got to build it up and you got to work at it. Brandon from Crowbot told me once, uh, there is no substitute for elbow grease. And he is 100% right. I put in a lot of work with 20 Watt and it, it paid off and we, you know, been able to do some really cool stuff, but, um, unfortunately none of that helped me with my solo (laughs) career. So, um, yeah, it's been interesting. I, I've been trying a different approach with releasing music. I haven't been releasing albums. I've been releasing singles. Mm -hmm. Um, like every couple months I'll release a single. And that's actually worked really well. Um, I've heard a lot of people say that that's the way to do it with the current, you know, streaming trends. And, uh, you know, I guess I'm more focused with the solo thing on singles and Spotify playlists and that sort of thing. So that's been a big help. Um, you know, the, the singles have been doing well. One of them just got picked up by a Spotify editorial playlist and that made my followers go through the roof like i was at 103 followers on spotify mm-hmm. for like three for reverend or for 20 watt? for for reverend okay. 
and uh, it stayed that way for like three months. And then I released uh, my latest single, Before the Devil Knows You're Dead. And that got picked up by the Spotify playlist. And so far, just about every day, I gained 200 followers. It's wow. crazy. So that is, uh, for bands listening, go after those Spotify editorial mm-hmm. playlists because they will get you the plays for sure. So I'm seeing actually more growth on my solo page per day than I do on the 20-watt one. The 20-watt one always kind of hovers between like 11,000 monthly mm-hmm. listeners and like 15 or 16,000. It's kind of up and down. Um, but it, there's not there's not usually a whole lot of growth there. With this, it's been crazy. Like, I don't even know what it is today, but I'm sure if I look at it today, <laughs> I probably have more than I did last night, which is which is super cool. Um, it's a reward, rewarding. Yeah, you know, and, and the thing is, like, it's, it's kind of shocking to me because um, I'm essentially playing uh, gospel and Delta Blues music with my solo project. And uh, I just kind of figured nobody would care. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it's been, uh, it's been pretty cool, you know, and what, for whatever reason, people dig it. But it's it's keeping the bills paid. Mitch is settling with settling in with his new uh, son, and uh, we're starting to book shows again. We have shows with Twenty Watt coming up April twenty second and twenty third. We have our first shows back. It's been nice to have this because I don't want to work a normal job. No, I'm with you. <laughs> you guys have done radio for almost 15 years now. It's yeah, you, you get something get, in your head where it's mm-hmm. you know you're you're not functioning to go work a nine to five. Well, and with COVID too, the the scary thing was there was a point during COVID where it looked unsure how music was going to be as a business, you know, long term. Like there was a there was a real there was a very real scare mm-hmm. there of will we be able to do this again? You know, I, I had a real positive attitude through most of it and I was like, you know, people need art. It will always thrive. It just finds a different way of existing. That lasted pretty much through the first year of COVID. And then there was a point where I was like, man, are we going to be able to do this? Like, is this going to be a thing? And I'll tell you what, man, 45 years old, having to think about possibly changing your career (laughs) is pretty scary. But um, I don't know. Like I said, I think people need art. And I think there will always be a need, you know, for art and music and, and all that stuff. So I think it always will find a way to endure through whatever. Um, but, you know, COVID was kind of a big test for that because it was the first time in my in my life where the power was taken away from me. Like, I always assumed that when I stopped playing music, it'd be because... I wanted to. Yeah. It wouldn't be because I physically could not do You're it. Forced, you're forced know? forced just to stop it. And I think a lot of people in a lot of different careers kind of maybe had the same kind of, you know, scare that I did where that power is just taken away from you. And you're like, what do I do now? Like, cause I never really had to think about, well, if music doesn't work out, what am I going to do? Mm-hmm. I always kind of thought, well, if I don't play, like there's other music things that I can do to make money. 
Well, all of music shut down <laughs> for all damn. of it. Yeah. Like booking shut down, you know, bars shut down, you know, uh, promotion stuff like just everything shut down and with bands not touring or doing stuff like that you know there's no income for guys like us so we can't make records we can't mm -hmm. pay for things we need to pay for um so it just kind of shut all aspects down and like the sound guys were out of work the talent buyers were out of work the promoters were out of work the you know the staff for the venues was out of work like you know tour managers, guys that drove a van or a bus for, you know, touring bands, yeah. they were out of work. You know, there's so many different pieces of the music industry. It shut it all down. So it was like all of the skills that I have, the few that I have, <laughs> uh, are all based in the music world. So even my side hustles that I have for like a rainy day, none of them were things I could do because nobody could, could use them. So it was, uh, it was scary, you know, and I think for a lot of music folk at the time, they probably were having similar thoughts of like, well, I guess I could go work at McDonald's. I guess I could go do this or whatever, but it's been a weird, weird couple of years. The solo thing, I guess I, I'm just grateful to be able to do that. Yeah. You know, even if it's not necessarily as enjoyable for me as the band is, or as financially good as the band is like i guess i'm still just grateful to be able to play music at this point after everything that happened and you've got and it's a great way to talk about 20 watt because you like you said you've got shows coming up next weekend mm -hmm. 22nd 23rd mitchapalooza which we'll have to talk about mm -hmm. because i want to give at least like a couple minutes just to the poster uh, oh yeah with what went into the poster for for mitchapalooza and why you guys do it every year but you had a couple singles. You and Mitch recorded a couple singles. Easy Top cover, mm -hmm. um, Chris Stapleton. But now yeah. you're back to focusing on the originals, getting those recorded. So when can mm -hmm. we expect some original music from you guys and, and the process of recording that when that's all taking place? That's the big question. People have been asking that for six years, and we have been trying. We actually... <laughs> so we had almost a full record done mm -hmm. like three years ago. And we hated it, so we scrapped it and we started over. <laughs> the whole so, thing. The, the whole, whole thing. thing. Every last piece of it wiped out. Um, we uh, we locked ourselves in a in a house in the upper peninsula of Michigan, and we worked on it for a summer. And we had what we thought was good stuff, and it just it didn't meet our expectations. Mm -hmm. Like it, you know. We want whatever we release to be awesome. You know, we don't want it to be like, okay. Like if we're not completely sold on it, how do we expect other people to be? So, um, so yeah, it's been six years since we released a actual record. The plan is this Saturday, we're going to wrap up tracking and then all the tracks will be recorded. And from there, it'll go into mix down and mastering. I'm hoping if all goes well and everything lines up the way it should i'm hoping to release it this summer more than likely it'll follow the the same path that a lot of our other stuff follows where it's like because of limited money usually what we'll do is we'll release it on cd first mm -hmm. and then go tour around sell it and then later we'll do like a vinyl release after that a lot of bands do all that stuff at once, but it's it's expensive to do. Yeah. So 
you know, looking at the possibility of a label too. And we're not, we can neither confirm nor deny <laughs> that we will be pursuing that, but we have this time around, like we've been dead set against labels the whole time, but we have, uh, we've encountered a couple of labels that are actually doing some really cool stuff that might fit well with us. So we're not opposed to it with this one. Um, but we'll, we'll see what happens, you know, it's got to be the right fit for us. It's got to be the right fit for them. This summer, there will be a new record. There will, for sure, be a new single released this <laughs> summer. Uh, there will be a single and a music video and some other stuff, for sure. Okay. Hopefully, the whole album will come out shortly after that. We'll see. So, full-length record, no EPs, full-length full length record? Or is, uh, is that still kind of depending on what you guys are happy with when everything's well, tracked? originally, it was going to be eight tracks. Okay. But... The eighth song just wasn't coming along uh, as quickly as we wanted it to. Like, and again, we want it to be awesome. So we would mm -hmm. rather put out a shorter record and have it be good than have the quality. a longer record yep. and have a couple stinkers on it. Our thing is we feel like we made people wait too long already. So we made the decision to go with seven tracks instead of the original idea of eight. Mm -hmm. And the other one will come out later at some point. So or you do the, do the deluxe edition, yeah, yeah. like every band does. Yeah. Six yeah. months later, hey, here's a deluxe edition Remaster. with with four more tracks. It's like, why just give us both options at once? Yeah. <laughs> well, you gotta you gotta pimp those same people yeah. again. Yep. We gotta we gotta get those same twelve fans that we yep. sold it to the first time. <laughs> <laughs> I know with twenty, you mentioned you mentioned labels as well. I mean, for you, you've been independent, I believe, your whole career, right? You've been, have you ever been on a label or is it pretty much, you Not know, you, band. okay. But 20 uh, Watt has always been independent. You've always been able to make the music that you want yeah. at your pace and that kind of stuff. So I would imagine finding out, you know, you mentioned, you know, you might find a good fit, but how important is it at this point in your career to be like, I really need a label that works with my values, lines up with what you want to do. Here's the thing. So for me, I have very little desire to be with a label. It doesn't have anything to do with me thinking I am above it or that, it, you know, I, I think bands that work with labels, if that's what they want, that is awesome. Do it. My attitude has always been though. Yes. It costs me more money to make my records. Yes. It costs me more money to put everything out, but I make 100% of that <laughs> money after that, you know? So, um, the advantages of a label obviously are them pressing your CDs, your vinyl and all that stuff for you, um, you know, and helping with some of the financial burden. But for me, I don't mind paying for those things because we have enough of a sustainable business at this point after 12 years of doing this, that I can just keep cycling money back into the band and it keeps making me money. <laughs> Uh, obviously over COVID that wasn't true, but like the machine is built but for 10 years. Point. Yeah. 10 years. Yeah. Yes. I have to put money into this machine. There's 11 years of this machine or 12 years of this machine there already. And, you know, I, I kind of look at it as like, you know, if you're building a muscle car over like 11 or 12 years, it's going to be fancier and more to like what you like mm -hmm. after 11 or 12 years than say you buy something and you fix it up and a year later, you've got what you've got. So 
for me, I always make the comparison of like, you know, a cool muscle car or something like we've really, we've spent time investing in the parts and the labor and all of this stuff. I think that there's value in what we've built and I'm not opposed to working with someone that sees that value and can add to that value. Yeah. But for me, the big thing is if I'm making X amount of dollars off of what I've built and I have somebody else come in and I make the exact same amount, where's the upside? Yeah. You know? So for me, and not just money, but like if I can make the same amount of money, but I'm getting better exposure or, you know, the, the promotion the value is good, yeah. you know, like I need to, I need to not only sustain the business with, with merch and these sort of things. The thing is, I was talking to somebody the other day about this and they're like, well, how many records do you think you could sell right off the bat? And I think if we did a pre-order for a new record with new songs on it, I don't see a problem where we couldn't do 200 pre-orders for this mm -hmm. thing and probably get every single one of them sold. 200 pre-orders will pay for my pressing and, you know, all of that stuff pretty easily. For me, the label aspect really needs to be the relationship, the exposure level, more so than, than you know, the money's obviously important, but I need there to be more of an upside than just being with a label. Because a lot of bands, they don't care what the deal is. There's, they just like saying they're signed. I have a wife that I have to take care yeah. of. I have a house payment, you know. I have an annoying little dog who you saw <laughs> Who earlier. Pete has been ringing the bell yeah. on and off. <laughs> I don't have like big unreal expectations. Like I, I don't, I don't need to be famous. I just, I want to pay my bills. I want to do what I love. I want to be able to do it comfortably and not, you know, have to starve doing it, you know? <laughs> no, it makes, that makes perfect sense. I've had plenty of those conversations recently with people with radio. So I get that hundred percent told you we talked about Mitch Palooza every year for Mitch's birthday. You guys always put on good show, good lineup. <laughs> the poster is something that's always, always great. It's always, always great. incorporates Mitch. So yeah. the design of it, I'm going to let you tell me what it was after, who came up with the idea for it and just let you, <laughs> and let you paint a picture for people listening and then make them go to the 20 watt Facebook page and Instagram yes. and all that stuff. So you can see it for yourself, but I want you to, you to create the photo first in their minds. Okay. So a little bit of backstory first. Yeah. So when this started, uh, my idea was to have like a, a political campaign post. Mm -hmm. So we did uh, like the Obama hope, the hope, yep, the hope yep. uh, poster, but we had a picture of Mitch uh, sitting on a toilet, taking a selfie. <laughs> um, because his thing has always been that before shows, he takes his pre-show dump yep. and he posts from the bathroom of wherever <laughs> we're playing. And it'll be pre-show dump commences, come see us, Tupelo, Mississippi tonight, blah, 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 yeah. blah, Thirsty Devil. Um, and he's become famous for that. Like, no lie, it has become one of the most genius marketing things <laughs> that I have ever seen. Uh, we got to a club on tour one time. I forget where it was, but it was somewhere down south. And the door guy comes up and goes, he take his pre-show dump yet. <laughs> and I went, that's awesome. He knows about it before we even rolled in. And uh, people would start joking about it. Yeah. So I made a poster. We made a T-shirt out of it. And that's where it started. So I had this pretty high bar set mm -hmm. of goofy, stupid humor that I wanted to repeat. 
Um, so like last year, we uh, I had this photo from when we were overseas on tour in Europe. Um, we were playing this club in Germany and they were passing a hat around for tips. And the hat was an old, uh, you know, Russian uh, Cap- yeah, I know what military, you're yeah. like a general's hat. And uh, this was before the the current uh, mm-hmm. relationship with, with Russia had, <laughs> had changed. So Mitch was like, dude, take a picture of me in this hat. So he put the hat on and snapped a picture of him and we forgot about it. Well, last year, uh, the guy that does our art, uh, John Bickness, Jonathan Grimm, he, uh, I was talking to him and I'm like, hey, take this picture and make another like almost political campaign type poster. Mm-hmm. So we wrote make America douchey again yeah. on it and we <laughs> made it red, white, and blue and had this picture of him posing all regal with his yep. hat on. Well, obviously this year we can't have a Russian hat in the no, picture because no. that's <laughs> things have changed a, a bit little of a bit. problem right now. I knew I knew that that would be inappropriate to do. So I'm like, what do I do? What's what's the next step? Mm-hmm. How do I go from that to something else? Because it was a pretty hilarious image. Yeah. Uh, so I was like, well. And maybe I could do like a old movie poster and like sub him in it, do like Back to the Future or like Gremlins or something, you know, something something 80s, nostalgic, 80s. you know. And uh, so I was watching Conan one night, baked out of my brain, and I went, whoa, this is the most ridiculous thing ever. I should have our artist draw Mitch <laughs> as Conan. <laughs> So I texted John and I'm like, hey, so now you're not talking about Conan O'Brien, just so everybody's no aware of Conan that. the Barbarian. Yeah. Arnold Schwarzenegger. Uh so I text John, our artist, and I'm like, hey, I have a really ridiculous idea. Just hear me out. <laughs> <laughs> and he's used to my weird ideas because I have some doozies. There was another one where uh he does um, like death or black metal pets where he'll do a portrait oh, okay. of your pet, but he'll put black metal face oh with like upside down crosses and stuff. I'm going to send a photo with Jay. Yeah. He, uh, he did one of Pete. That's hilarious. But uh, so I was high one night and I'm like, dude, you know, it'd be great. Golden girls in black metal face paints. And he's like, that's actually not a bad idea. So that's the kind of stuff I torture this guy mm-hmm. with is those kind of, pot-addled, you know, brain stuff. Anyway, so I hit him up and I told him my idea. And he was just like, that's ridiculous, man. He's like, I thought, you know, at this point in my career, I would be doing more serious (laughs) stuff than drawing Mitch as a barbarian. So, yeah. So what we came up with was uh, Mitch from the cover of Conan the Destroyer, the second one, where he's close up and holding the sword. But since Mitch is a new this, dad, this is great. Yeah. we had him holding a baby. <laughs> <laughs> so he's holding a baby looking really fierce with a big sword. Uh, so, yeah, I had a really hard time not showing that to Mitch. It was a very <laughs> hard secret to keep, but I finally did uh, show it to him. He thought it was hilarious. But, but yeah, the, the idea has always been to do something just ridiculous and over the top. And uh, I feel like we succeeded again this year. So For sure. This is this is also, if you ever interview bands or people, this is why you also look at their socials an hour before you come and do it. Mm-hmm. Because some of your best stuff you can get can come at the last moment. I saw that and I'm like, 
Yep. <laughs> Tom and I are talking about that today. Like, obviously, you know, it's exciting. You guys get new music out. As, as I've always told bands, it's obviously, you know, it's always exciting to get your new music out and everything else. But man, if you can find something that sets the band apart, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's great when it's new bands, you try to find things for them. Like, Oh, the music kind of, you know, how'd you find each other and everything else. But if you can find like one small fact or something about them, it just makes people connect to them so much more. And that's why Mitch Palooza, I, had talked to you about that because the poster's great. Yeah. So who's on that with you guys taking place? I know June, sometime, June 25th, June? June 25th, the <clears throat> office bar here. Um, that bill is stacked. Like I am shocked that I was able to pull this one together, but it'll be King Cackle from Charlotte, North Carolina. Um, 20 watt tombstone, my band, the Manus brothers from St. Louis, Missouri. And then the headliner is left lane cruiser from Fort Wayne, Indiana. Awesome. So that's a, and you know, before COVID, we had a show with Left Lane and the Manus Brothers booked in Milwaukee, and it got canceled. And I have heard so many people pissed off that they didn't get to see that lineup together because it's three duos, mm-hmm. and we are all kind of similar. Like we're all kind of in the same scene, and we all know each yeah. other. You know, the Manus Brothers are a little more psychedelic blues rock. Left Lane is a little more you know, rootsy, stonerish kind of Delta Blues played really loud. We're whatever we are, but uh, we put on blues pills and yeah, like that. you know, like <laughs> as heavy as you guys are. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, King Cackle is kind of in that same vein, but they're not a duo; they're a four piece. So it's a it's a lot of bands that are similar enough that we work really well together, but we're different enough that we each have a different sound yep. that kind of complements the other one. So yeah, it's it's gonna be a cool a cool bill and I am pretty stoked on it because last year was really good. We had the Manus Brothers headline and then uh this year this one came together and it just like everything clicked. So we'll get to do that that show that, you know, should have been in Milwaukee two mm-hmm. years ago that everybody was bummed about. We'll get to make those people happy and bring King Cackle in. Um so yeah, it's it's going to be a good time, I think. Awesome, coming out to it again, June twenty fifth. June twenty fifth, yeah. Office bar here at, here in Wausau. Yep. Um, outside, outside. So office bar's got a nice parking lot. A lot of people can come fit in there. So there's plenty of room. Yeah. Things always sound good out there. Um, I want to talk about the local scene because I know when I moved here, May of twenty nineteen, you were the first person in the local scene to reach out to somebody that I worked with, Nikki, to get a hold of me and kind of be like, hey, you know, Ryan's new. We want to get him to meet some of the local bands and, you know, keep the relationship, you know, keep the relationship with rock 94, seven going at the same time. Get to know, but your thing was want to get to know you as a person like, Hey, and you know, I've had tons of discussions about, you know, you're not just the radio guy I send my shit to. It's, you know, actually forming relationships and, and forming friendships with yeah. a lot of the local bands and stuff here. And that's when I'm leaving here in about a week and a half, I looked around with the friends I've made here. I'm like, I think everyone's in a local band outside of a couple of the coworkers, my friends that I've made here. There is a good scene here. Have all been in that. So, Kind of, you know, what this scene kind of means to you, and do you think you have, like, your role in it? Because everybody that's in a local band is like, you know, we go to Tom for this. You know, we ask him advice on this, and <laughs> you've become the wise godfather of, of the of the local scene. So do you feel like you've got a role to kind of mentor a lot of people um, here in the local scene? I know you, you're you always happy to talk to people if, they, if they've got questions. I don't, I don't know that I'm the only one doing it but i i i definitely feel like 
a lot of music scenes don't, they don't kind of like the older musicians don't always have that relationship with the younger ones because mm-hmm. maybe they can't identify with the music or, you know, the styles or whatever, you know, the, you know, the whole grumpy old guy thing that a lot of us, myself included, yeah. are. You're the Grandpa Simpson throwing your yeah, you hand know, in, the, uh, in the air. You're angry in the skinny clumps. jeans, yeah. you know. I went through so much when I was younger trying to learn. And I had a couple of people who were really instrumental in helping me. But what bothered me was that there wasn't more of it. You mm-hmm. know? And I, I don't think that any of the people I knew were necessarily bad and didn't want to help me because they were bad people. I just think that the attitude kind of is that it's, it's hard to cross that bridge and build Mm -hmm. those kind of relationships because maybe you don't get each other. Um, so like, you know, one of the guys who really helped me along Howard guitar, Lipke, um, he never really was judgy about what I was playing, what I was listening to. Like, it was just like, Oh, you're a musician and that's it. There was no, Mm -hmm. well, you need to listen to this or you need to be this, or you need to, you know, do the, do these things that I did, you know, and that kind of made me more comfortable with him, you know, and, and he's still a mentor of mine to this day. Another guy, um, Keith Farnham, who passed away a few years ago, he was always really supportive. Like he would come and watch me play super loud. And, you know, he's an older guy. Mm-hmm. Nobody his age in the bar. He'd be sitting at the <laughs> bar with his cane and he would watch me play through orange stacks and wouldn't care, you know, yeah. that, I, that it was heavy or different than what he was playing. He'd be like, oh, man, you guys are awesome. You know, so there was like this, this acceptance and mm-hmm. I've always wanted to kind of do that same thing for other people. Cause I feel like if I had gotten more of that when I was younger, I could have sidestepped so much bullshit. Yeah. Can I say that on here? Yeah. Okay. Yep. This is not, I should have yeah. asked you if I could swear. No, we're good. We had some several, <laughs> a guy interviewed yesterday, we had several F-bombs and everything else. Okay. There's no, there's no radio with this attached to now. So right. that's what I tell people. I'm like, you want to plug your Spotify, plug your Wherever you're at, I'm like, okay. this, podcast, this sure. podcast is on Spotify. So, I mean, I'm usually pretty good about the swearing thing, but yeah, it's, it's a hard, we're not live. Great. So, yeah, we're not okay. <laughs> but, uh, you know, like I made lots of mistakes and I know, I know the mistakes because I made them, mm-hmm. you know, I, the reason that I've been able to do things better is because there were so many screw ups on the way to those things. So it's not me being preachy. It's not me thinking I know everything. It's that I want some of these people to be able to avoid some of the stuff that I had to go through, you know, and get ripped off and, you know, have your, your art valued less than what it should be, you know, and, um, you know, and just, showing people that what they do has, has value and how to value those things and how to make other people value those things. Because music just in general in this country is very undervalued. You know, you go to Europe and bands are making like three times what they make here. And uh, it's unfortunate, but I think it's not all on the audience in that regard. I think that 
bands have been so beaten down and so um, and told that this is how it works and we've just kind of accepted it. So at a certain point, I think we need to see the value in what we're doing before we can convince other people that it's there. Yeah. And that's something that I've tried to do with a lot of the younger bands too, is like, you know, yeah, when you start out, you should play shows for free and you should play all the time. But once you start seeing 15, 20 people at your shows, you shouldn't be playing for free anymore Yeah, because those are people that are coming to see you. You have value. Um, and I, I tell bands this all the time. I'm like, you know, if you're playing a ticketed event and you bring five people to that show, your value is those five people. If that's a $20 ticket, five times 20, that's what you're worth for mm -hmm. the night. You know, uh, if you don't bring anybody, then you don't have a whole lot of value at that show. But most bands can bring a couple people. That's kind of how I've always looked at it is I, I don't, I don't think I know everything. I, I certainly don't, but I know a little bit about the stuff that's worked for me. Mm -hmm. And that's just kind of what I, what I hope that I can help some people avoid are those pitfalls that I hit throughout, you know, the years. Plus I'm a firm believer in rising tide lifts all ships, man. Like if it's, if it's good for you, it's good for me. You know, yeah. We all live in the same microcosm essentially here. If I'm improving things for you as a musician, that improves things for me as a musician. Mm -hmm. Plus it's just good manners to not be a dickhead. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> when it comes, it's the, one of the most important things when it comes down to it, don't be a dick. Just and be, and just some, be cool, man. And several bands I've interviewed, like, you know, I've asked them questions along the lines of, you know, kind of, you know, what have you learned or who's been there for you? <laughs> one of the lessons is, or I was asking bands, you know, what are, you know, some good lessons in the rock and metal world? And a lot of it boiled down to sometimes in a more PC way. But a lot of it was don't be a dick because mm -hmm. they're like, you don't know who's going to, you know, who you're going to be playing with later on. Like some of the bands I know that, that you've helped out with quite a bit, they're bands that now play with you guys yeah. on some shows and different bills. And which I'm guessing that they have taken to heart some of what you've told them or what they've learned from other people because they're now playing with you or you've put on. You know, Sometimes you just got to learn stuff yourself too. Like, you do. You know, when you're young, like you don't like to be told what to do. And sometimes you have to stumble a little bit and kind of find your legs. Like I've never been really competitive. Like when I see bands doing well, I don't go, mm -hmm. oh, screw those guys. You applaud them. Like I'm, I'm stoked. Yeah. Cause it's good for me too. It's good for all of us. It's good for the whole, it's good for the you whole know? scene. I've never understood that. And that's yeah. nothing I've talked about. It's not bands professional too. wrestling. We don't need no. to be nasty. There's, there's no heels. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. It's just, I don't know. It just, it's never made sense to me. And you know, small town music scenes always have a little bit of that competitive nature where it's like they have, you know, somebody always has the, well, why didn't that happen to me thing? Mm -hmm. And, you know, I was guilty of that when I was younger too. I'd see a band that maybe wasn't as good as my band or didn't work as hard and they got something that I wanted and I would be like, well, they don't deserve that. Well, when you break it down, that's pretty ridiculous because just because you aren't able to do something doesn't mean that somebody else who did, did the work or whatever uh, doesn't deserve it. You know, the, the truth is you can do anything anybody else can do. You know, you just have to figure out how to set yourself apart. And that's the tricky part. Somebody once asked me, they're like, well, what makes your band different? Like what makes mm -hmm. your band better than anybody else's? Why should I listen to your band? 
And I didn't know what to say at that point. <laughs> I had literally no answer. I was like, uh, and that question bothered me so much yep. that I went home and I thought about that for a really long time. And it actually made me focus on things to set my band apart. And it wasn't the music, you know, like you can be the greatest band on the planet, but that really isn't that important. You know, there are bands who play three chords that'll go out on tour tomorrow and mm -hmm. make more money than you, you know? And as much as that sucks to say, you know, some of it's opportunity. Some of some people do have more opportunity, but ultimately the music business has really become a business more so than it ever has. And the days of David Lee Roth and throwing a fit and being a rock star <laughs> and getting attention for it are just not there anymore. Yeah. So, I mean, you really have to be different. You know, you can't, you can't be the rock and roll rebel anymore and make a name for yourself. Like it just, it's not the time to do that. You know, you have to really work hard and you have to promote yourself and you have to be somebody that people want to work with. That's the other thing. Cause Mitch and I, there's a ton of bands that are better than us. Like I, I won't, you won't ever hear me say the phrase, my band's better than that band. Mm -hmm. I don't think I've ever said that. Now it's recorded that you've said that. So yeah, so, but <laughs> I'm not editing that part out. <laughs> but, uh, but, but the, the, the thing is we do other things that set us apart. They maybe don't make us better, but they make us stand out. And one thing is we work hard. You know, like 2018, we played 203 shows and just about killed ourselves on the road, you know, and that kind of thing stands out. People mm -hmm. take note and, uh, you know, we try to be nice. We try to be the band that's like, hey, you want to come play Wisconsin? Hit us up. We'll make something happen. So I always try to help other bands who want to come here. Or if I see, you know, if I see a band going on tour, I'll be like, Hey, if you guys break down, I know people all over the country. If you need a mechanic, if you need a place to stay, you call me. Then you and you've done that. I've seen you do that on Facebook. Hey, someone's vehicle broke down. Yeah. Who in this area can either put them up for the night or something like that? So, well, I've been there. Yeah, you know, I've been the guy that's sitting shivering at a gas station, wondering how long it's going to take to get your van fixed, and are you going to have the money to do it? And uh, I've been I've been lucky enough that I have met some amazing people who over the years um, have shown me kindness because I was nice to them at one point or another. And uh, well, for instance, one time we broke down in Tennessee and it was the day before Thanksgiving and we were supposed to be, or it was the day before the day before Thanksgiving. We were supposed to be going home for Thanksgiving. Van broke down and we were stranded at a gas station. There was a, a mechanic like, down the road, mm -hmm. drop the van off and we walk to this gas station. So I'm texting people like, I don't know how much this is going to cost. Like we're trying to pool all our, our, you know, tour money together and figure out how much we got. Um, this was a long time ago before we started making okay money. And like, we were really unsure we were going to have mm -hmm. enough to pay for the van. And, uh, I made a couple posts on Facebook and, um, some of the people we had working for us at the time were like going around to people saying, Hey, if you need merch, like this is the time to, to get it. So, um, we didn't, you know, we didn't get any like free money. Like here's just a bunch of money, but a lot of people went to the merch store and bought stuff. 
some people bought stuff they didn't even need or that they already had just to help us out. And we ended up um, making more than enough to fix the van, get the van taken care of, and uh, and get us home in time for Thanksgiving. And the thing is, without you know people who actually gave a shit about us, uh, it wouldn't happen. And I, I truly believe that the reason those kind of things happen is not because of the band you know, because they like the music. I think it's because they identified with something about us, you know, thought we were nice or, mm -hmm. you know, that sort of thing. So I think there's definitely an upside to being a good person just in general in life. But, you know, for, for someone like me who works with people, you know, in, you know, in music, um, I think people really, because how many times have you seen a band and you're like, ah, eh, this band isn't really my thing. And then you go meet them and they're like the nicest guys ever. And you're a fan. I had this conversation yeah. with you a couple it, years ago. Wait it's like, you know, that, that happens. Mm -hmm. uh, we've played with a ton of bands where I'll watch their set and I'll just be like, eh, it's whatever. And then I meet them and we're bros. And then yeah. I will buy all their shirts. I will buy yep. all their records. And I've always wanted to be that guy that not necessarily that you that you like because of the band, but you like because I treat you decent. Yeah. You know? And I think... Uh, you made the time for him. You and Mitch made yeah. the time for him. Yeah. I think there's value in just being a relatable human being because mm -hmm. people, no matter what band it is, whether it's a small band or a big band or whatever, they, they always see you differently. They see you as this intangible person who's not like them you know even if you're a local band guy you get that to a degree um and i think the more you relate to them and show them that you're just like them the more they'll like you and your music and you're going to sell more music you're going to have more people at your shows because they're going to support you yep. not just your music they're going to support you they're going to buy the Mitch shirts of exactly. him sitting on the, the toilet. The dumb, crazy yeah. stuff that you do that makes no sense. They'll get behind it, you know. And when you're out of a job over, you know, the coronavirus, you know, those people will be there buying merch mm -hmm. and streaming your music and, you know, giving words of encouragement. It's just, it's one of those things, man. It's just like good, good karma comes back. I want to ask you about tour stops, too. That's the last, really the last question I had for you. Was been asking bands their favorite places to stop on tour, and I figured Waffle since, House. Okay, <laughs> we talked about Waffle House earlier, but I'm like, we've heard every terrible thing that can happen to you on the road. Of oh my god, we broke down or shivering at a gas station. I'm like, I at least want to talk about some of the positive stops on the road. So I'm asking bands like, who's got the cleanest bathrooms? You know what? Maybe I'm not going to stop at this place because I don't want to, you know, have to sit on a toilet that literally has yes. shit on the rim. But for you, maybe for you and, and Mitch, where do you guys like stopping on the road? You know, good places to grab some foods for bands that are maybe out there uh, going around. Where do you guys, where do you guys like, like to stop? Loves is a safe bet. Okay. Always. Always. Loves is like the United Nations of the tour world. <laughs> you can run into other bands there. Uh, you know, you can get a clean shower, <laughs> a clean toilet. You can take a dump and probably the best environment you're going to find anywhere. <laughs> um, yeah, it's loves is, is probably the universal one. If you're in Wisconsin, quick trip, quick trip. Yep. Yeah. I had a discussion with that with, yeah. um, 
first person I interviewed for this podcast, and she mentioned Quick trips are pretty good. Yeah, she mentioned Wawa out east. She's yeah. out in Jersey, and I said, "Well, when you come through Wisconsin and some parts of Minnesota, you know, Quick Trips are going to be your your equivalent to have a nice clean spot." Yeah, um, Quick Trips are always pretty good. I did encounter one Quick Trip when we were on a way our way to a show. Uh, and this was not their fault. This was just someone being an asshole. I think someone was just angry that they had the cleanest bathrooms and they wanted to <laughs> screw their game up. But, uh, yeah, there was an actual pile of uh, human shit in front of the toilet. Like, they missed completely. It wasn't even, it wasn't like an accidental, like, oops, I had to go. It was, it, it, it was very, very yeah. uh, clear that this was planned. <laughs> It was a good foot in front of the toilet, uh, very uh, meticulously placed, we'll just say. It, was, All right. it didn't look accidental. A disgruntled employee, perhaps. Yes. Yeah. Or someone who was just like, oh, yeah, in this bathroom, I'll show you. Holidays on the road are usually pretty rough. Okay. In Wisconsin, they're not so bad, but holidays uh, in shells are usually not great. Loves are a safe bet, yep. like which is weird because there's truckers, and you would think that truckers mm -hmm. would be terrible about hygiene, but for whatever reason, those places are immaculate. <laughs> They're usually pretty solid. Um, and they also have good smelling hand soap. Awesome. Yeah. Underrated sure. quality. Cherry scented. It's nice. It's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. And it's got pumice in it. So <laughs> that's probably the universal one I would okay. say loves. And Waffle Houses, you like some of the Waffle Houses. Yeah. Waffle House, if you don't like Waffle House, we can't be friends. It's yeah. just that simple. <laughs> I I have had very few musician buddies tell me that they don't like Waffle House, but there's a few of them. And uh, my mind is always blown because there is nowhere else in the entire world where you can go and get a $6 breakfast and... Uh, have a waitress named Janice wait on you with some of the best service you'll ever get. She might be, she might have kind of a smoker's voice and she might, you know, smoke the package for a lot of years. Like yeah. But she's going to give you the best service you've ever had and she's going to be friendly and the food's going to be great. It's going to be fast and you get a bunch of good coffee. Bathrooms are not so hot. Yeah. But, you know, you find it loves afterwards yeah. and you're good. But, uh, yeah, I Waffle House is a staple. We call it mm -hmm. church. Because I'm told we don't go to church. We go to Waffle, Waffle House. House. So, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's a religious experience for us. It's, it's by far, by far where we eat the most on tour. Mm -hmm. And we don't eat a lot of, uh, like, fast food or rent, restaurant food on tour just because... You know, that's not conducive with like being on the road and having energy. Yeah. And, it's, yeah. it's bad for you. Yeah. And if you're only out for like a week or so, sure, it's probably fine. But when you're out for like a month, if you're living on fast food, you are going to be in bad shape <laughs> and you're going to be stopping a lot to poop. But, uh, which comes back into the bathrooms. Yeah. We've had a lot of time. You're going to like those yeah. clean bathrooms. Yeah. But Waffle House, um, you can get a good breakfast for like five or six bucks and a cup of coffee, you know, and if you're like for us, uh, we do a 10, $10 a day per diem mm -hmm. for, for the merch guy and for, for band members. So, you know, for under your per diem, 
you can have breakfast every day. Yeah. You know, that's, that's pretty huge. So, and it's kind of one of those things where it's like, you never have to worry about it being different because every <laughs> single Waffle House has the same food. And, you know, you go to Tennessee, you go to Texas, you go wherever you can get steak and eggs and mm -hmm. steak and eggs, same kind of steak and eggs, you know, and it's always good. Um, so it's just that, that kind of reliability mm -hmm. is kind of nice to have because otherwise you're faced with, well, where do we get breakfast? Well, there's this place I've never eaten at. There's this place that I don't know. Yeah. Waffle House is Waffle House. So, I mean, you know, it's always the same price. Like when I did our taxes <laughs> one year, uh, I had Waffle House receipts to turn into the accountant and my breakfast was the same price <laughs> just every, about every, every day. day. <laughs> $6.22. <laughs> so, and then I would always do a $3 tip. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, you can't find a lot of places that you can get breakfast for that anymore. So I like asking this, that's why it's been fun asking this question because everybody's kind of got their thing. It's like, okay, I know where to go where I'm going to have, mm -hmm. you know, cleanliness, familiarity as well. It's always good to have. So Tom, like I said, I want to definitely be able to chat with you in person before moving on to Green Bay, not very sure, far yeah. away, but at least be able to come and do one of these interviews in person. So Reverend Mean Tooth, 20 Watt Tombstone, where can everybody follow you and socials, music, all that stuff. If you Google 20 Watt Tombstone, you can find our webpage and uh, Facebook and all that stuff. You can find us somewhere. Uh, my solo act is Reverend Mean Tooth. I'm on Facebook and Instagram and all that stuff too. So pretty easy to find these days. So make sure you follow both, especially 20 Watt. So you get Mitch's uh, pre-show dump. Yes, um, definitely photos. check that out. It's always and good. June 25th, that will be a ripper of a show. So office bar right here in, in Wausau, right here in central Wisconsin. Like Tom said, if you missed it a couple of years ago with the cancellation in Milwaukee, you're getting it here. Yeah. Tom Wausau, so it's perfect. So Tom, I can't thank you enough, man. Yeah. Thanks for having me, man. This was fun.